honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I am Tess. I am the new project manager full-time at Urban Misfit Ventures. And this is my first Strange on Purpose episode. So I'm really excited because this is somebody that I have worked with in the past. And I also go to her studio. So this is the owner and founder of L Studio and Wellness. Her name is Emily Keeling. Um, She is a psychotherapist. And she has been practicing for like, I think I remember her saying like 10 plus years Um, So she has a lot of work under her belt. And we just talk about health, wellness, and what she has going on at the studio. They have workshops, they have psychotherapy, they have art therapy, they have dance studio, they have personalized self-care sessions and meditation. So there's a whole array of health and wellness activities you can do while you're there. Um, But yeah, the conversation was awesome. Um, Felt really great afterwards. And I'm excited for you guys to see this. We have Emily here from L Studio and Wellness. And I've known you for over a year and a half. So I know why L is super special to you. But for the people who don't know, Mm. give them a little context as to who you are, where you came from, how L came about. Elle is like my firstborn baby. Um, She is everything to me. Um, The journey to uh, create Elle Studio and Wellness was uh, kind of not very glamorous at all, kind of filled with a lot of um, suffering and overcoming, um, but ultimately is my dream, my passion, um, and I've never felt more rewarded, um, content, happy in my career, my entire life. It's, it's, it's everything to me. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So for the people who don't know what L is, Mm -hmm. what is L and why did you create it? So L, L is, uh, E L L E. It's French for she. Um, she is my mother who it's dedicated to. Um, L Studio Plus Wellness is the fact that we are taking uh, mental health therapy and we are adding the components of yoga, mindfulness. Um, we have nutrition services with a registered dietitian and we have massage and acupuncture. And it's all in one spot. It's all about making uh, wellness more attainable. Um, easier to um, assemble and maintain. Um, so the part that's unique about that is that this is uh, the, the core of our services, mental health therapy. We have six therapists, um, and it's the space is really modern, mm-hmm. um, warm, comfortable, and all of that is really intentional. Um, I think a lot of spaces don't really resemble that in mm-hmm. the mental health arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're also a really young group, which is cool. Um, so we are, um, 
think about 85% of our clientele are young women between the ages of 18, 19 to about 45. Um, so we're really serving uh, a lot of the millennial generation, mm -hmm. which is really cool um, because that is the generation that is really open-minded about um, not just open-minded, but like craving and wanting to know mental health skills and coping mechanisms more than previous generations, older generations that have been um, kind of like, don't talk about feelings, don't cry, you know, repress it. Yeah. And this generation is just so awesome because I have a lot of my clientele come in and say, you know, I had to skip happy hour tonight and I told them I was seeing my therapist and the response is like, I have a therapist too. <laughs> and you just, that didn't happen, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years ago. Um, so to uh, not only know that that's happening in today's culture, but to work with those people and give them a space that really is comfortable for them is one of the most rewarding parts. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a household where I learned that therapy was like not a good thing if you went to therapy it was something was wrong yeah. with you and so I had this negative connotation with it my whole life and I walked into L and it was a whole different ball game like I just wanted to be there all the time like everybody's so welcoming and you feel so powerful leaving and I think that's so amazing what you guys do um for people and young women and people who want to talk about their mental health and have it be put out there into the world. So, yeah, I think more people need to have a space like that. So it's awesome. Someone came in recently. Um, they were so confused. Like, what is this place? <laughs> Everyone's so happy. Yeah. Like, is this a mental health therapy <laughs> clinic? Like, what's the catch? Yeah. What's going on? Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, there's no catch. Like it really is. Um, just uh, the the group of women that work there, and there are about twenty of us now. Um, genuinely, really like each other, mm -hmm. get along, um, and I think people are picking up on that energy too, totally. which is really cool. You can feel the energy when you walk in. Yeah, and that's what I like about it. Yeah, you just feel like you can do anything after you leave, which Aww. is awesome. Good. Um, one of the things I I loved about the space when I first walked in was knowing that there were workshops for kind of like everything. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the workshops that you guys do? Yeah. So I think when we first opened, um, we kind of put it out to everybody. We, we wanted to take mental health topics and make them public because so much of obviously mental health is we're behind closed doors. It's just the therapist and yep. you. Um, and all of that wealth of knowledge is not really getting out there. So we're very intentional about doing a lot of group therapy, mm -hmm. um, inviting a lot of experts and lots of different areas um, into the studio and bringing that um, information to the public. Um, so most recently we've had, um, currently right now we have Pursuing Ambition um, that's taking research around the power of story, mm -hmm. which is um, the fact that as human beings, we conceptualize our lives and the way we view the world and our decision making based on the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we need to be a little bit more conscious of the stories that we're telling ourselves mm -hmm. and make sure that those aren't geared in some unhealthy old childhood coping mechanism or something right. that's like not relevant anymore as an adult and isn't serving you anymore. 
So this group is all about um, being aware of your old story, creating a new one, um, and making sure that that story aligns with your new behavior. And it's all about the science of change. Um, So, I mean, it's just one example of what one of our therapists does individually with clients and now can do with a larger group and touch more people. Yeah. You mentioned story. Yeah. Are you familiar with, um, what is it, I think, Rosenthal effect or something like that? Yes. Um, do you know Where the study? of Rosenthal? You know the study? You will have to refresh my yeah, memory. Yes, so the, for the, well, I almost said for the viewers, the viewers or the listeners. <laughs> um, basically, it's like a guy uh, back in like the 60s, I think, mm-hmm. goes to school in California and he's like, hey, um, I've got this study that's going to help you identify the special kids in grade school and the not so special kids. <laughs> They separate them. Um, the teachers know about the study, and the students do not know about the study. And at the end, they find that it was completely accurate. Special kids like blew the average kids out of the water and like everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the study was bullshit. Like it was just complete, like completely fabricated. Like they were just randomly grabbed out of um, off this list and put in the special group. But it was a story that they were telling themselves, sure. right? Like I am special. The yeah. teachers like. Teachers showed that. They showed up for the kids, right? They invested more in the kids. So I love that right. you mentioned story, but what are like some actionable things that people can do to rewrite those narratives, would you say? Especially men, because it's something that we struggle with. Like, right, shut up. Like, don't talk about your feelings. You can't cry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What are some actionable things that we can do? So the key and the, and the difference that I see in people being able to change their behavior or just like subconsciously repeating and is self-awareness. Um, so it is sad that men are told to really shut it down because then they lose that um, need or desire that I have to look in the mirror. I have to be able to go inward and reflect and whether that's journaling or just um, processing or talking to close friends or seeing a therapist, get it out. There's, there, It's really... Um, to our detriment to hold those thoughts and feelings in and not get them out. And that's, that's what the essence of therapy, right? You're talking to somebody who's objective and unbiased. So it's like, you're just speaking to a sounding board so you can hear your own thoughts and it makes it a lot easier to tell if they're rational or not. And if they serve you or not, how often people come in and it's like, Oh, you don't know that I'm saying that out loud that's so silly or, and I can't believe I've been operating from that belief for so long. Um, so if we can be in a culture that supports men, especially to just externalize their thoughts and feelings in whatever format that works for them, that in and of itself is really powerful because they could tap into what it is that they individually need to do. And it is action that's really empowering, um, to get out of just and that's the, the female brain is really um, particularly wired to ruminate mm-hmm. and we get really stuck. Um, I think that's why we, we so often see more women engaged in therapy than men. Um, and, and then they're told that they're allowed to talk about those things or process those things. So you see them more actively involved and then put men, put a man and a woman together in a relationship and Typically, what you'll see is men are pretty intimidated anytime in art. You know, honey, we need to talk. It's like the worst thing that they can hear. Don't tell me that. (laughs) (laughs) Because they know, you know, like women have spent their lives um, talking to their girlfriends and expressing themselves and, and men just simply weren't given that same message. So 
women do laps around men in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can encourage men to just begin to externalize all of that, they can gain the skills and then they can keep up. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> like literally, I credit a lot of my success to the fact that I've opened up. I joked and said, don't tell me that. Like I, I probably talk more than, I mean, I think a lot too, but I talk a lot, you know, I'm totally Good. comfortable like speaking my mind, Good. Um, how I'm feeling, but still like it's still a struggle, you mm-hmm. know, because I was a middle child, you know, I was, no one gives, no one cares about me. You got the, you got the oldest, you got the littlest, like I'm, I'm going to go do my own thing. You know, like those narratives are burned into me. So I, I totally, totally get that. And I resonate with that. Something that I need to work on. Yeah. Oh, indefinitely. my dog though. Indefinite. He's always there. <laughs> He's your therapist. <laughs> got to. Yes. But I love that. Um, what were you doing before? So I was and still am a mental health therapist. I was in um, private practice um, in Wauwatosa for about seven years. I've been doing therapy since I was 23 years old, so 12 years now. Um, Private practice was always my dream. And I think when you work in private practice, you can't help but imagine kind of like, well, if if the place was my own, what would I do? So probably um, four or five years ago, kind of in the back of my head, started more seriously asking myself that question because I spent the early part of my career honing in on what are my skills as a therapist, understanding the business, um, just kind of taking my time, having a personal life um, in my 20s. And then um, I had this idea in the back of my head just based on talking to clients and hearing what their needs were. There was a lot of fear around mindfulness, a lot of fear around yoga, um, a lot of kind of like apprehension or social anxiety around going to different places, trying different things. Um, So that's where the concept of, gosh, you know, if we just had these other services right in the same space, how cool would that be? Mm -hmm. Um, And it would really differentiate this space from other places and what they offer. Um, Definitely wanted to do something that was different. So um, that was just kind of in the back of my mind. I may have sat like that for years. Who knows? But um, it was when my mom got sick and passed away that it just went to the absolute forefront of my mind as something that I had to do, and I had to do it now. Um, I, I kind of look back now, and it will be four years in spring since she passed away, and. I think I was in this state of acute grief. And acute grief can last from two months to two years, typically is what research shows, um, from the loss of a, of a loved one. Um, and I, I think you're kind of in an altered state. So I think I was so um, determined to create this place and was willing to take all the risk associated with it because I was a little bit altered mm-hmm. <laughs> and I needed something to ground me, um, something that I knew was healthy and something that I knew my mom would have really loved and supported. Um, but it's a, it was a little, you kind of have to be a little crazy at the time to like take something on like that. Then you stabilize again and you normalize again. And I would say that happened uh, around year three of her um death anniversary, which was just this past spring, kind of felt more like myself again. And this question of like, gosh, would I do that again? Would I take that risk again? And 
<laughs> take on all that work and craziness again. I don't know. And I don't know that had I just kind of like life had just gone on that I would have done something like this. It was really sparked by losing someone that was so important to me and being determined not to go back to a life as if nothing had just happened. Like I could not just go return Mm -hmm. and do the same old thing I was always doing. Um, It wouldn't have been true or genuine to how I felt inside. Something I realized, like this. I'm sorry. Something I realized <laughs> this year, or last year, actually. Like, if I wasn't my own boss, like I have no idea, like how I would deal with grief because I also had a loss, and everyone in this room has had a loss. But like, just the changes that went in me, like mentally, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, just how intentional I now am. Like, I still like struggle with things, of course, but not being able to like explore those changes, I can't imagine. Like, yeah. most people get five days off. Oh after like a, it's yeah. insane like yeah. that is absolutely insane like yeah. I don't know I like that I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> no I mean I was really appreciative to be um you know I was never an employee I was always an independent contractor it was kind of my own business within a business um as a therapist and when she was sick for two years that ability to just rearrange my own clients and be there with her if I'd had a typical nine to five yeah. oof, um huh, that would have sucked mm-hmm. it's really hard um, so, yeah, the freedom to um, kind of control your own schedule is great. And then, of course, I started a business of my own and had no more personal life for a couple of years. So I made up for it. <laughs> and now you're able to slowly control that. Yeah. yeah. So it's settled down, yeah. which is lovely. Yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> so what would you say is the... I mean, still, like, your mother's death is, like, the driving force Mm -hmm. to start the business and keep you going. But what is is keeping you going every day now? So what's really cool now that I didn't experience before until it was my own Mm -hmm. space, um, there's something to be said about the fact that it's my baby, right? Mm -hmm. the the ability it's um it's it's self actualization it's the that that you want something or you want to do something you put that energy and that effort out into the world it comes back mm-hmm. um, that is just a really powerful aspect of I think happiness and contentment for humans totally. um, so when we take that away from people that's when you notice that you know I'm unhappy in my career totally. or I, I'm not content or whatever so. This this business was really the first time I could totally experience mm-hmm. what if I had an idea, I could talk about it, we could create it. I had this like supportive team around me. We'd work on it, we'd put it out there, people would enjoy it, mm-hmm. show up. Like how gratifying and awesome that is, all within the realm of services that I really care about and that I'm really passionate about. That is what keeps me going now. Yeah. That and the, the fact that I don't know what it was um, about the time that I was starting to look to find people to fill the space and do these services mm-hmm. with me. I got so lucky, the people that applied. Um, they are all like very close friends of mine now mm-hmm. and just really great, smart, talented people. 
Um, and I don't know. I, I think that was just luck. Life is so and crazy like that, isn't it? The timing of it that they just kind of showed up, these amazing um, now friends. So to be able to work with them every day is really cool. Totally. Totally. You talked about energy, and I think that that is something that a lot of people need to hear about. And just walking into L, like, so I made the conscious decision, and it's so funny you brought this up because I have a post going out today for myself, like, talking about this and how I had this, like, huge flip in energy at the start of 2019, and, like, I met Q and everybody here. I started coming to L. Like, it was just this huge shift in energy that I, like, told myself if I don't do this, like, I'm going to keep spiraling into this, like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, just going towards what I wanted, like, asking for what I wanted and then just surrounding myself with people who truly believe in me and have that positive energy. Can you talk a little bit more about like, obviously, that's something that you walk into your office and feel every single day. But, like, for somebody who's aspiring to do something, to build their own business, whatever that may be, like, how big of an impact does energy have on being able to create what your create your vision, I guess? So what's really cool about what you did in early 2019 is you really owned it, right? It wasn't that you were just ruminating on it. And I think that's what a lot of people end up doing is they're just Mm -hmm. kind of like in this stagnant place where they know they want something different um, or that they're unhappy, but they can't really concretely name what it is that they're wanting or striving for. And so they stay stuck Mm -hmm. ruminating on like what could this thing be? Right. And then just people can do that for years. And and that's really driven by fear. Right. So if I, if I let go of what I'm doing and I pursue this other thing, what if this, what if that, what if this, and I had a lot of people come up to me after the business was kind of up and running and they'd say things like, you know, Oh my gosh, you know, what about, what if this had happened or that? Mm -hmm. I was like, I never thought of any of those things (laughs) at all. And I think if I had, I maybe wouldn't have done it. And all of those things worked out. Right. You know, I was, it was fine that it never even occurred to me as like something that, that could have happened yeah. to go wrong. Um, so the ability to very mindfully take those negative fear-based thoughts, um, shelve them, make sure that we're not operating out of them, Use skills. I mean, that's that's where you hear a lot about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a really powerful skill or tactic to um, get away from thoughts that you know don't serve you, and then put your energy towards the ones that you those thoughts that you choose, the ones that are going to ignite action and behaviors that align with the thing that you're pursuing, and it's it's that when you start to do that and you begin to realize, okay, it's kind of that self-actualization concept. I want, I've decided what this thing is. It's concrete to me. I lay out the steps to get there. I ignore my negative thoughts and my fears and I take them one step at a time. And every time you conquer or achieve some kind of goal, you get that like, I can do it. And it helps you set up for the next mission. And it's, that's your new perpetuating 
effect or cycle mm-hmm. versus ruminating on negativity indefinitely. Yeah. So just and the fear of not being yes. able to yes. do it. So cultivating your own energy, deciding that you really want this thing, labeling what it is, making it not so vague. Yeah. Um, and then aligning your behavior and your actions with those new beliefs. Totally. Can you talk a little bit more about the labeling part? I keep doing that. Can you talk a little bit more about the <laughs> labeling part? Like how important is that? And like, how do you go about doing that? Labeling your thoughts? Yeah. Or feelings, whatever. Okay. So um, we all have our instinctual thoughts, right? Our brain is just constantly going and feeding us with ideas or beliefs or, or whatever it might be. Where we get in trouble is when we pathologize ourselves. We say something's, oh my gosh, I had this nasty, terrible, ugly thought. What's wrong with me? What does it mean? Right? And we start to like start to try to analyze that thinking that if we think about it enough, maybe some magical answer. Oh, I thought of that because when I was five years old, somebody said something to me and I, you know, you could go on and on and there's really nothing there compared to how powerful it can be to just say, I'm human. It's natural to have these kinds of thoughts. The, move on. The, just like kind of let that go. I'm choosing these other beliefs or these ideas that I need to feed myself and remind myself because they don't come instinctually, which again is normal. Um, the brain is just very much geared in negativity. It's a survival mechanism that we've had since you know our ancestors had to survive their way through all kinds of things that we don't have to worry about anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but our brain hasn't really adapted to this industrialized world that we live in now where we're relatively safe. Um, so our negative, anxious, adrenaline-based thoughts just keep occurring to us. And if we attribute a lot of meaning to those, we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. We really have to ignore those. Um, they certainly happened to me. <laughs> in the early months leading up to this big risk, right? I was all in on getting this space, building the space. It was 4,000 square feet raw. I was hired uh, an architect, a general contractor. Never done that before in my <laughs> life. I think these men were looking at me like it was crazy. Um, and so in building this space, and, you know, t- lots of thoughts came over me. Um, you know, what, what are you doing? This is, you're about to make a fool out of yourself in front of all your friends and family. This community is going to laugh you out of town. You're going to go out of business. This is a terrible idea. Of course, those occurred to me and as they would anybody, it's just that, that self-doubt creeps in. And so what I would do when that happened was just very consciously like find a book, um, and fill my brain with books and words, um, that were, intentionally empowering and positive. Just feed my brain with that kind of language so that I could have something to counterbalance all the negativity that was going on and let it go and move forward with what I was trying to do. And it works. It does work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about the brain and we probably have answered this question multiple different ways. (laughs) It's easy for us to say, I'm going to go work out, right? I'm going to work out my body. Mm-hmm. How do we work out our mind? And how do we maintain mentally strong in that sense? Ooh. Um, so I, I think anybody who's going to come and commit themselves to therapy, go out to the bookstore and buy yourself a journal. 
<laughs> because you will be asked to journal. You want to, um, all of that uh, mental exercise is essentially kind of just being aware. What am I telling myself? And if those things are not in my best interest, I need to be sure that I'm not acting out on them anymore. So externalize them, right? You're writing them down. It's the same process as going and talking to a therapist. You're hearing yourself outside, getting it out of your own, just bouncing it off of yourself can be a little bit dangerous. So you're externalizing it and then you're able to look at it objectively. Does this, does this serve me? Um, if it doesn't, I need to ignore it and choose something else. But so it's just constant like that. And then, of course, a, a support network of friends and people that you can talk to and be open and honest with is huge for human nature. We all have this instinctual need to belong to a group. I mean, it's like the essence of Milwaukee Misfits, right? Mm-hmm. You come together, you have this mission, and it, you have a sense of belonging. And the contentment that you all must have in your careers to do that is in and of itself mental, um, positive exercise and energy. Awesome. Another exercise that I found helpful just learning, I, I learned this from Elle, like walking into the doors was, um, I mean, you touched on mindfulness. And like, I always thought it had to do with meditation. And I was like, I can't sit still for yeah. that long. Like, Lots of people don't think they can I, do it. I can't do that. Yeah. Like, my brain cannot do that. <laughs> so like, when I learned that mindfulness is so much more than just sitting with yourself and not thinking mm-hmm. and all of that, like, can you talk about, um, touch a little bit more on what mindfulness is? Because I, I mean, I yeah. know I've learned a lot about it going to <laughs> L, but like, I feel like a lot of people, yeah. I think this would be a, a good tool for uh-huh. a lot of people and maybe kind of like an exercise uh-huh. to if you are ruminating and journaling, like to -hmm. do this Mm -hmm. and possibly get out of those Mm -hmm. negative thoughts. So the idea is that Americans typically don't like mindfulness because we live in this really fast paced, go, go, go society, right? That's highly valued that you work hard, you play hard. You, if you stop, you're lazy. I mean, our culture is just very hard on us. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of response to mindfulness is, you know, I tried that. I couldn't shut my brain off. Of course you couldn't shut your brain off. Nobody really can. Mm -hmm. And the expectation is not that you're ever going to be a a Buddhist monk who can levitate in the closet. You know, it's just (laughs) that expectation is So we really have to get that idea out of our heads Mm -hmm. um, and just bring it down to its most simple concept. Mindfulness is that you're just in the present moment. So it kind of links back to if you're finding that you have a lot of anxiety or a lot of negative thinking or a lot of fear-based thoughts, and you're having a hard time just getting that out of your head, using mindfulness is a really powerful tactic. So I'm ruminating, I'm ruminating. I'm aware that these thoughts are not helpful to me. I'm, I'm feeling terrible because of them. So I'm going to choose to um, focus on the, the feeling of this couch or the color of your hat, you know, and just like snap my brain out of all that ruminating, come into the present moment. The present moment is meant to be the most powerful place that we can be because it's the only place that you can actually influence change, that you can actually do something with your decisions and your behaviors. We ruminate far too much on the past 
which is said and done and creates a lot of depression and hopeless helplessness mm-hmm. if we stay there too long. And we ruminate a lot about and get anxious about the future because we were worried about what might happen, but we can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. So we come into the present moment. That's why the present moment is supposed to be really powerful. And if you can channel it in a way that's not so disruptive to our busy American lives, that means that um, when you're walking from your car into work, you focus on the sound of your shoes on the pavement. That's you being mindful. That's you practicing and telling your brain that at any moment I can take control of you. You don't have to run my life. All of these impulsive um, thoughts that I'm just indefinitely going to have, I can always come into the present moment and take control. And if we practice that a little bit every day, then when we really need it in the heat of the moment, if we're particularly overwhelmed, we can call on that skill nice and easily and just kind of get away from that negative place and get back to a more rational, calm, you know, I'm safe here and now present moment i'm in control totally i was talking to adam mcgraw on a previous podcast about like just mental fitness yeah he said something that i really like that he said he said um like to be mindful or to come back to the moment just focus on a sense whether that's like mm-hmm. a radiator that just keeps going off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like i did turn push really hard just pushing on your finger you know or the taste yes. of a yes whatever you know like just focusing on that one sense i do that all the time and it's like damn i walk around all the time like how many people are truly just like present Mm -hmm. really not a lot especially with our phones right there's Mm -hmm. so many distractions and it seems like this simple boring thing to um just think about something so basic like that but it it's deeper you know what you're what you're doing and what you're reminding yourself that you do have control you do I think the blame tech. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I control that too. Yeah. I think a lot of people have um, a sort of not a a negative mindset towards it, towards like being mindful or like taking a moment. And it's like, okay, well, I can be more productive or I could, you know, learn about this or that on my phone, like be on technology. But then we find ourselves getting so anxious or stressed about constantly being on technology and seeing what other people are doing. But how do you, what kind of skill can you like, I don't know, have somebody work into, I I find myself when I am anxious, I distract myself with technology Mm -hmm. and what's going on in the world outside of me. And I find it very hard to come to those mindful, like, Mm -hmm. Just little, like, tactics. Like, sometimes I'm able to do it, but other times, like, I just, I can't, and I don't know what it is. And it's, like, I just find myself spiraling into this, like, dark hole of technology. So, like, what kind of, I mean, it's it sounds so easy to just be, like, okay, well, get off your phone. Do it. You know what I mean? But, like, is there some is there some sort of magical, like, thing you can do? Or, like, how can you trick your brain into, like, knowing that I like I know if I get out of this and I'm able to be mindful or am I, I'm able to just like get outside or do something like I know I'll feel better. Well, one of the other skills um, that you don't want to forget in all of this is if you're particularly struggling and can't distract yourself, it's just not working. Mm-hmm. That's OK. 
you know, that we we do this to ourselves where where the whole concept of what's wrong with me makes it that much worse. So if it if it's just a question of, okay, this isn't a good afternoon. I don't I just don't feel good. I feel like crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and allowing yourself to do that and being kind and forgiving towards yourself for having that moment, it just makes it so much easier for that moment to stay relatively shorter mm-hmm. than if we are doing the you know, oh, of course, I have to be on my technology yeah. now. I'm, I'm so, such a bad person and I, I'm in such a bad mood. And it mm-hmm. just goes on and on the more you are being hard on yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. So this need, all of these skills need to be combined with kindness, self-forgiveness, and, and normalizing of human flaws and things that are just difficult and that, that that's okay. Yeah. It, it can be powerful to just remind yourself that a lot of people are going through this too and it's it's normal. not the only person in the world <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally yeah awesome. your favorite book um so I'm obsessed of course this is so silly as a therapist I love advice columns <laughs> um and there's a really great one it's called dear sugar it's a, it's a combination of um just advice columns written by Cheryl Strayed. She also wrote Wild and Reese Witherspoon yes. did her movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the way she gives advice. I mean, she's not a therapist. She's just a regular person. She's a writer. She writes so well. Her advice is spot on. All the different scenarios touch on lots of things that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, I think it's really empowering to, to read the book. It normalizes our issues and gives this really empowering message for how to overcome. One more time on the name. Uh, Dear Sugar by Cheryl Strayed. Is that digital or paper? Um, I think it's both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dude is trying to get that Audible uh, sponsorship. Someday. Yeah. Someday. That notion. Work on that notion. <laughs> <laughs> Every week. Did you get a new sponsor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are some, where are some places that people can go to gather resources? Is it books? What do you recommend most often to people that say, I know that I need help, but I don't know where to go get the help. Obviously, you know, your services, but beyond mm-hmm. that. Um, well, typically a therapist will, you'll, you'll do your first assessment. And something that you're probably always going to be asked is like, what, what is the support network like? What are your coping mechanisms? What are your hobbies? What do you do that is just for you and that you... Um, find a lot of joy in. Um, I think there's a lot uh, out there right now around self-care. And what I found is, especially working with young women, um, is this idea that women can be, um, we're very empathetic people. We're often caretakers and can kind of lose ourselves in being there for others. Um, So when you ask about self-care, it's... um, they have a hard time answering that question. What, what do they do for themselves? Um, so it's working with people to get to know what their individual inner power is and what are those things that could be pursued that will help them in their just day-to-day life if they begin to prioritize themselves and put themselves first for a little while. Um, it can, as well as, being honest and open with friends and family and um, finding your support network. Um, 
every every person's a little bit different in terms of where they can go and what they can do. Um, and that's what's so great about working with the individual is bringing that out for themselves, helping them to realize what power potential they have right at their fingertips that they just can't see. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Totally. Can you take me back? Like, I'm, I'm just really weird. Um, back to, let's say, that <laughs> altered state. Um, like, grief. Grief. Going through it. But like, what was going through your mind as you're building the business? I know you said that because of that, you were like, I don't care. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you throw at me. I'm going to get through it because I've got a mission and I'm going to build this thing. But like, uh-huh. maybe yeah. like, yeah. I'm not sure how long it was, but a year span, what uh-huh. was going through yeah so it was the within days of her passing we were planning her funeral and it it just kind of washed over me it just came over me very um all-encompassing I have to build a place I need a platform for my mom's story um which is one in which she dealt with a lot of childhood trauma she dealt with anxiety she dealt with depression but if you looked at her life you wouldn't know that with everything that she created. She created this family that adored her, She this amazing career. Um, so she wasn't defined by that anxiety, that depression, or those childhood traumas. So in that way, I wanted a space that um, she could be this example for, for young women who are going through the same things, right? And anxiety and depression just kind of keeping them stuck and keeping them away from their fullest potential. Um, so that came over me very quickly. And of course it's not overnight that you can build a business, but I think it was pretty quick because it, it one year to the, to the month, um, of her passing, I had the property. So, uh, I think it was just sheer, um, I've got to do this. I need a space. I need a business loan. Um, and I was just absolutely consumed with that in the first year. Um, I think, so one year later, so that would have been May of 2017, that's when the I got the space, we're building it out. That's when the real heavy lifting and heavy work started. And a lot of that fear, too, because I've never done this before. Um, no background in business or finance or any of that stuff. Um, it was a big joke with my husband. I've never worked with Excel before. I mean, it was scary. <laughs> so Learning a lot. Uh, but I knew what was nice was that I was um, about 32 years old. And I'm amazed at people who, can, who take on entrepreneurship in their early 20s and things like that because for me, I would I, say I'm more amazed than people older. Older? I don't, have, I don't have a lot. Like, I have a dog, you know? Like, that was my only response. <laughs> Way more props to anyone that's older. Yeah. I think I, I, what, sir, what helped me was that I knew, I knew myself. Yeah. And I knew that I wouldn't know every answer and I wouldn't be able to just, I had no idea what to anticipate. But I did know myself well enough that whatever it was, whatever challenge was going to be presented to me, I knew that I would figure it out. And just the nature of telling myself that did mean that I ultimately did figure out everything that came my way. Um, And that's just in and of itself a really empowering thing. And I've learned so much in the last two years. Um, But I think being in the midst of grief, it it was interesting because 
people say not to make big decisions when you're <laughs> grieving. Mm-hmm. And I made the biggest decision <laughs> of my life. Um, and it turned out to be the best decision of my life. So I'm really grateful that, again, that was just not something that occurred to me. Don't, don't do that. You're grieving. <laughs> it was just, it was more, um, I, I knew my mom and her message to me was really just don't do anything within your grief that would sabotage you. I don't want that. Don't. And, and, and you kind of are on this border between who you know you are when you're, when you're grieving. It's, there's this side of, I, I know who I am and I want to maintain that. And then there's this like dark place that is like, whoa, what is that? I don't want to know. I don't want to really go any deeper into that. So so very consciously choosing something that would take up and get me, take up all of me, consume yeah. me, um, and keep me from that dark place. Um, either way, I mean, I thought I might have to, like, hide myself away and process this loss. But I think I just kind of ended up doing that. And it just takes its own course. I love that. You mentioned, you mentioned two things there that I would love to dive deeper in. Like, one, um, just this idea of loss, whether that's, hey, I broke up with my mm-hmm. boyfriend or my girlfriend or mm-hmm. significant other or I actually lost someone you yeah. know like you're losing a piece of yourself which yeah. is it's a piece of yourself it hurts it yeah. forces you okay this is who I am this is what I want to be maybe there's that deep dark place yeah. that I don't want to explore like I totally get that um, and I love that you mentioned that because for myself as well it's like don't do anything drastic Q. don't make that decision Q. I'm going to do whatever I want you know because mm-hmm. it goes back to what you said initially which is self-awareness mm-hmm. and secondly um, doing something you've never done before like Natalie Portman talks about like just diving into this obliviousness yeah. which I love it's like yeah I have no idea what I'm doing when I when I started I'm 22 years old I'm just going to jump into this like the dumbest decision in the world you know like <laughs> eat for like weeks at times you yeah. know but I figured it out yeah so I love like I've got no other question I just I wanted to yeah. add on that but I, I love that and I love yeah. that you did something with the grief yes exactly um and something yeah. that mattered to you mm-hmm. exactly and I knew um of all things to hone in on in my life to honor my mom it would be my career I mean she she definitely used her career to overcome what she had been through personally and then of course that's such a positive outlet it's one that you can con- control more um it's not something somebody's going to do to you. It's something that you can own. And in that way, it's really empowering and powerful. So um, there was certainly a lot of um, sacrifice in terms of just a personal life. Um, it was two, three years um, that really like the blink of an eye. It just is just time that was just is just gone. I can't believe how fast it's yeah, been. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, 22, I mean. I'm 26 now. It feels like oh. a <laughs> baby. Yeah. I feel like a 75 year old man. So, with like the spirit of a 12 year old. So, it balances out. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is losing their hair, though. So, I'm good right now. Oh, my God. I'm good. I think I plateaued at that point. I think it's just. You've got the beard. And then, true. You've got the beard. Yeah. So yeah. You win. You're making up for it on the face. That's why I keep and that sweater. <laughs> For those listening, he's got a Super Mario Bros. Nintendo sweater. The most Never amazing grow thing. up. Never grow up. That's all I got to say. We're all kids at heart. Seriously. We're all mad here. Um, so while you were talking, Q, I was thinking of this because you were talking about your mother and you touched earlier on um, 
her childhood mm -hmm. and abuse she went through, what what was your deciding factor into getting into psychotherapy? Like, do you think maybe that had some mm. sort of impact or what was the reason that you Oh, wow, like, we're going back, back in the day. Um, what started it all? <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember being in grade school. It's so silly. I mean, I remember being at recess, like, I want to be a psychologist. Really? I love that. That's <laughs> I, awesome. I pictured myself sitting in a chair talking to people. <laughs> I'm glad, like I'm glad you followed through with that. I want to be a NASCAR driver and I'm very not, very much so not a NASCAR driver right now. So I'm glad somebody followed <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm lucky. It's nice to just kind of know what you're Your whole life. And, yeah. and then get on that path because it's, it's certainly a long road to mm -hmm. becoming that. Um, I'm sure my, my family had influence. I think my main thing, especially when I got into college, I just really was curious about human behavior. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to go as far as like uh, becoming a doctor, PhD, um, and just that's all research and teaching. Totally. And, to get an, I got a master's in counseling from Marquette. I had my um, undergraduate degree from Loyola in psychology. And then when you finish, you do your 3,000 hours um, tour, uh, under a supervisor to get your license. And there's all kinds of different paths you can take. You can hone in on different aspects of human nature. And um, I've just found myself gravitating more and more to adult women with anxiety and then for that to become my specialty and then to build a place that really draws that population is just so fulfilling. It's, it's, it's oh, hard to describe. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always been on that path. That's, I, I feel like that's um, pretty rare. I think that a lot of people, at least millennials, I think, struggle oh, with yeah. that. I changed my major 17 times. Yeah, yeah. I think especially nowadays, it's very, sure. I mean, I fall into that category not yeah. being, like, I thought I knew for the longest time, yeah. and then I get out of college, and I'm like, what's this big world? What do I do in it? You know, so sure, sure. I, I think it, um, at least I was always envious of people who knew, mm. so I, I could just see you at recess, <laughs> like, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, and I found it in, in retrospect to look back at now and think, oh, my gosh, you know, my mom was an adult woman with anxiety. I mean, mm -hmm. that could have very well been a subconscious thing. Like all of this wanting to help other women is the fact that I always wanted to help my mom. Yeah. Um, she, my mom and my brother were always very alike. And then my dad and I were very right. alike. He is just this like calm stable guy. Yeah, He's I a, read that in your uh, American history professor at UWM for 46 years. Oh, wow. He'd That's put his awesome. bow tie on. He'd ride his bike yeah. to, to school a few blocks away. Stud. Just, <laughs> yeah, like the coolest guy. So stable. And, and then my mom and my brother were just like these strong personalities raising hell everywhere they went. Yeah. And so I, I think my my role as the daughter of the family probably I mean especially when my mom was sick was the caretaker right and so it just was a natural fit to pursue becoming a therapist right do you think that um I mean you talk about I, I read in your speech like you talk about your mother having this strong personality and being very outgoing and then you talk about her struggles and anxieties like did you 
experience those? Did you know about them later in life when you were her caregiver? Like Mm. how? My mom was a storyteller. Okay. (laughs) So from a young age, uh, she would tell me the stories of her um, childhood. I, I definitely knew about her life growing up. We were very close was often on shopping trips that I would hear a lot of these stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was aware, but there was something very interesting when she passed. I feel like when I perceive her in hindsight, I understand her better. When she was with me in present day, I always kind of struggled to understand some of her anxiety and her fears and her thoughts and beliefs. And then when she was gone, she, it all made sense. Mm -hmm. It was just a strange phenomenon that it took her passing for me to see her more clearly and to understand her life as a whole. Kind of like a peaceful sense of. Yeah. 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 It all made sense. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously how, I mean, I feel like if you hadn't have seen her in that light, then Elle wouldn't be here. You know, like the whole understanding of who she was and taking that and having her be the base of your business, like probably wouldn't have happened. No. So particularly like the, the guts, I mean, just to, to take on the risk. I mean, as I said, now myself, I'm just much more stable now, much more just like the thought of doing that again. I just, I don't know. makes me want to crawl into the fetal position. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, Oh gosh, that was, I can't believe I did that. I, I'm so glad I did, but would I do it again, you know, without something like that really jarring me awake to to wanting to do it? Do you think, and you can totally like correct me if I'm wrong, but like, this is what I'm seeing because this is like how I see my kind of living out my brother's life Mm -hmm. after he passed. Mm -hmm. He was this like, I don't give enough, like I'm going to do whatever Mm. I want type of personality. And I was the daughter of the family who did everything right. Mm -hmm. I went to college. I got all A's, like Mm -hmm. I did it all. And then like I was outgoing and I kind of, I did some crazy things, but always under his like, um, under him basically. I always did it with him. And then once he was gone, I kind of flipped my mindset and toward his. Yes. Yeah. And like, I felt like I was kind of living and still am like uh-huh. out like his personality in a sense. Uh-huh. Like I see a lot of Corey and like the things that I do that I never would have done. Yeah. So do you think in a sense, like, like I would have never done that. But I was she, embodying her. Yes. Absolutely. Do, okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's always, what I'm like seeing. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was. I always wonder like if it's, am I embodying her or is she somehow here with me totally yeah that's like a struggle I'm like because I I feel him sometimes yeah it's like whoa (laughs) and I'm like are you here are you like controlling me yeah (laughs) but uh no it's totally like I as you were talking about it I could totally like I felt it like yeah that's so cool yeah that's super powerful and that's probably why like I mean I can speak for, I've gotten so many people to go into L because I'm like the spokesperson. <laughs> I love you. it. Um, <laughs> uh, just, they feel that overwhelming sense of just mm-hmm. empowerment when mm-hmm. they leave, no matter what they're doing. So I think that's so amazing that you're able to like have her live on through that. Exactly. I love it. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs>
<laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. We always There's have a still... question. No, that's what I, no. I was going to ask the question. That's I did, why I looked I did, at you guys. Did to look a long time ago, I was like, whoosh. oh, I'm you sorry. Got it, you got it. Tess is also our <laughs> newest hire, full time. Clap, clap, clap. Go ahead. Thank you. Probably heard more about it in the intro. <laughs> yeah, you probably already heard about it, but you know. I just felt like that was a very powerful, like yes. we brought it back to it the was, beginning. So um, the, question, the question we ask everybody at the end of the podcast is, oh. what makes you strange on purpose? Oh, gosh. It's so much better than I do. I, like, I go like, what, how are you against a grain? Like, well, how are you I think, I think we say it out loud and we're like, wow, that really Does that doesn't. Yeah. And then we're like, well, let's just, let's just back ourselves up just in case they didn't get it. Because, you know, you, you ask a question and they're thinking about it. But then we look at it and we're like, they really did. <laughs> Anyway. But they totally did the whole time. So anyway, what makes you strange? I wish I wish my husband was here to answer that question. He would love to answer that question. Um, I've always felt a little strange. I, yeah. You know, it's like there's a lot of sayings around there. Like the, the person you want to find yourself with is like you're just goofy with and mm-hmm. it's unconditional love and you can just be yourself. And mm-hmm. I think my thing that people always comment on is that I am always laughing. I'm always smiling. Like it's probably obnoxious to some people. Uh, my nieces who are like three, four years old, mm-hmm. they they literally will look at my my husband and be like, why is she always laughing? <laughs> She's <laughs> What's crazy. wrong with her? <laughs> like, you guys are so cute. That's why I'm laughing. I love you. <laughs> Stop judging me. <laughs> That's a great quality to have. <laughs> That's definitely what makes me a little strange. No, I love that. I love that. And you can feel it in your presence too. Like it's just calm and warming to be around you. So thank you. Aww. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. <laughs> that is so much better than my fist bump. <laughs> hey, I don't do anything. I just stand up and walk away. So. I always give a fist bump, and I'm like, I always do a fist bump. And, and every time I head, you always make a mention. I, don't know I always do this really every weird, time. It's like deja vu on deja vu. <laughs> I do remember the first time I met you. You like I went to go like high five and we like did this weird thing and I was like, oh my god, I'm not getting hired. He hates me. (laughs)